Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. 16, 19. Jesus is talking, and he said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Eternity Matters the Most. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today. Lord, I ask you to anoint my mouth and my mind. Give me the words to say that would be sound doctrine. God, I pray you'd speak to every person in the room, Lord, for each saved person in the room. God, I pray that you would encourage us today. God, for each lost person, I pray that you'd pour your mercy and your grace out on them. God, speak to us, mold us, and guide us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Eternity matters the most. I've been telling y'all for years, one day I'm going to read the scripture because this, this, is just, this is just how, uh, how I, was, I was raised up, and this is just what fits me, and I believe it honors God, to read the opening scripture, give the title, and then pray for God's blessing. Uh, on, on the preached Word of God. Because the Bible tells us when we come together to pay attention to the reading of the Word and the teaching thereof. And I want God to bless this time that we have together right now. I want you to hear what the Word says. And I've been telling you for years, one day I'm going to read the Scripture, I'm going to announce uh, the sermon title, and, and uh, revival is going to break out. This is one of those kind of titles that, that ought to cause you to, to have at least a spark in your inner person. Connect. Eternity matters the most. I wish that we could get that in our minds. I wish that we could understand that beyond our head. Because if I ask you, what is more important, eternity or this temporary life, everybody that ever spent four seconds in church would say eternity. But how many of y'all know there are people that got up late this morning, not just at our church, but all over the world, got up late, uh, went to do their hair. Their hair or their makeup didn't turn out just right. Uh, every shirt they had was wrinkled, so they decided to stay home. Anybody believe that happens on a Sunday morning? Some of y'all are like, that happened to me last week. My hair just wouldn't do a thing. What, are, are, they, are, are they living this reality that eternity matters the most? Or, or is it about fashion? Is, 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 is it about what you drive and how, how, what you wear and how you live? Listen, if you get in your mind that eternity matters the most, you're going to start living life on a different level. If you're saved and you know that eternity matters the most, uh, see, we don't, we don't sing a lot. Now, they, they threw that uh, I Exalt Thee song on there because I, I begged them to um, and told them, I, I, I want you guys to start singing this song. Um, I, I learned early as a pastor that if the pastor picks the music, the only person that will be happy with the music is the pastor. 
So I, I, don't, I don't normally get involved in that because everybody doesn't listen to the kind of music I listen to. I don't, I don't listen to new contemporary music. I, you know, it is what it is. Uh, lots of flavors to suit lots of different people. I don't like Southern gospel music. Maybe you do. That's just not my thing. Uh, but I, I listen to a lot of older music. And, man, I love that song, uh, We Exalt Thee. Uh, we sang that one time when, when Potter's House was a little church and uh, I was going there. We were on Seaboard Avenue, had a couple hundred people. And it was Word of Faith Church then. And we sang just three words one night for over an hour. We just sang, I exalt thee. And we just said those three words for an hour. And you're like, well, I bet that was boring. Oh, man. Spirit of God fell all over the place. God was honored. Everybody in the choir was laying on the stage crying. Um, I don't know what kind of music moves you to God, but you, you need to have some stuff. And if you, if you ever get to the place where you understand eternity matters the most, you're going to connect to some stuff, stuff that moves me. I just walk through the church when nobody's here and sing it because I know I'm not a singer. But stuff that moves me, um, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Uh, e e e even more corny than that. Some of y'all think that's corny. H how about this one? I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. If you understand that you're on the winning team, some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? Listen to some good music in your lifetime. I, I bet if I asked you to, to, to finish, finish a, a half a Drake song for me, you'd jump all in. Uh, I, 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 bet, I bet some, some of y'all my age, uh, if I said, I don't see nothing wrong with a little. Y'all going to hell, all y'all. All y'all. All, all, all the white people are like, what did they say? Stump and lime. Yeah, that's what she said. Look at you, front row Christian. Uh, God has given us the gift of music, and it ought to, you ought to listen to music. I, I had so many people ask me, Pastor, what kind of music should I listen to? And my answer is always the same. If you're going to listen to music, listen to the music that bends your heart toward God. Uh, and sometimes I, I look at these, these uh, ser sermon titles because I've told you, and I'm going to keep telling you, I don't listen to other pastors preaching, to, and, I, and I don't use their messages. I read uh, books written by dead people. Dr. Lindsay taught me that uh, at a pastor's conference one year. Um, he said, I only read behind dead people. He said, because I know they're not going to change their mind and make me look like a fool for quoting them. But old theology is safer. It's better. They knew God more. See, because here's the reality. Do you really think the average pastor 200 years ago could, could quote Jay-Z, 50 Cent? They weren't listening. They, they, didn't, they, they didn't have VCR. You really think they were taping uh, NCIS and staying up late at night to watch TV? No, they had candlelight in the Bible. Um, and... Uh, We've got to get to the place where we understand that the music we listen to ought to lean our heart to God. Find some, I always tell them, whatever music leans you. Now, I had one person one time, a young person asked me that, and uh, then he told me, that's why I love Screamo. I said, you didn't hear what I said. 
I said, are you going to tell me that listening to loud, screaming music makes you want to get on your knees? And, 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 and God said, be still. You, you want to be still in his presence? Oh, it just it, it takes me right to God. I'm thinking, well, whatever. And when I read certain things, because I don't, I don't follow what preachers say. I don't get sermons from anybody else. I don't take sermons out of books. I actually lay on the ground and ask God, what passage do you want me to talk about? And, 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 and what do you want me to tell your people? And what do you want me to title it? So sometimes a, a title like this, I'm just so overjoyed uh, when, when, when God said, tell them eternity matters the most. And that ought to be fuel for your fire. That ought to give you strength for your journey. Because if you know that you're saved, nothing else should be able to slow you down. Oh, it's uncomfortable if your body hurts. But you know you're going to a place one day where there's no more sorrow, no more suffering, and no more pain. It, it, it might be discouraging to you when people stab you in the back. But you know one day uh, you're going to live in eternity with a place of redeemed people with no backstabbers. It, it, it might be uncomfortable uh, to have your car repossessed and be hiding it in the garage so nobody can find it. But you ought to still be able to sleep at night if you know when you get to heaven, you're not even going to need a car to get around. We've got to get eternity in our mind. And in and, and thinking about and in keeping with that sermon title, let's, let's just look at the word. Uh, and uh, I'm going to let God do a little teaching from his word this morning, and I want you to have ears to hear what he has to say. In verse 19, now Jesus has been talking here uh, in many parables up until this point. If you read prior to this, you're going to see Jesus is talking in parables. And if you even just do a cursory search, if you went online, don't do it. Some of y'all want to do it already. If you just typed in your search block, is the rich man and Lazarus a parable, you would get as many people to say yes as to say no. Because contextually, Jesus is talking about parables um, here, and he spoke a lot in parables. But I want to tell you, uh, I settle on the side of all old-school, orthodox, real Bible theologians that are convinced this is not a parable. This is not a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. This, this is not a parabole, the Greek word, uh, which means two things laid side by side to show contrast. Although these two lives are laid side by side and we do see contrast, I believe this is a historical account and not um, a figurative account. So you figure out what you want to believe. Uh, do, do your study. Uh, search, search the scripture and, and, and you make your own decision but I believe this is a factual story about a real man with a lot of money and a real man without a lot of money and the Bible says we have these stories for our examples and I want us to learn today because the Bible says with all you're getting get understanding in verse 19 the scripture says there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in what luxury lived each day in luxury. Now, this is not your average middle class or upper middle class person. This isn't somebody living in a nice house, driving a nice car. This is somebody in a private jet living in a mansion. This is somebody with a house in the Hamptons and a house in Jamaica. 
This, is, this isn't somebody who's just doing okay and might be able to buy your lunch at McDonald's. This is somebody bawling. This is because uh, when people in that generation wore fine linen clothing, it was very expensive. People weren't as materialistic then, but how many of y'all know the more things change, the more they stay the same? There's always been materialistic people. Um, that's the problem with watching too many movies. Uh, it make you want to say stuff in church, people get offended. Any, anybody, anybody remember what Medea said when she was looking through the closet and said, Who is Dosi and Gabina? What did Medea say? Y'all don't even want to say it out loud. Oh, she a labor hoe. There always been labor hoes. I'll never come. You wasn't coming back anyway. If you haven't figured it out by, by now, I'm not faking anything up here. I'm just, I'm just who I am, teaching the Word of God. I don't have a fake preacher voice, and I don't, I don't talk differently in the pulpit than I do out of the pulpit. Uh, because I believe all that's hypocritical, and that leads people to put their pastor on a pedestal that he doesn't deserve, and then they freak out when they find out he ain't perfect. So anyway, there's always been people, you know, that, that spent too much money on clothes. Linen was very, fine linen was very expensive. But if you wore purple, fine linen, you, that was the most expensive clothing that there was. This is beyond uh, anything you bought at the mall. This is, hand, people are like, ooh, uh, what, 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 I can't even think of it. It starts with a G. What's an expensive shirt that starts with a G? No, not Gucci. I can't even think of it right. But it's beyond, it's beyond all that. It, it, see, here, here's the deal. I was watching some motivational clips the other day. Huh? I don't know. Uh, but I was, I was watching Steve Harvey talk about the Lord the other day, and he brought somebody out. And the dude came out, and he's like, I like those shoes, boy. He said, and he called off the name of the man that made those shoes. He said, you got that suit there too, didn't you? He said, we shop at the same place. See, when you're ultra rich, nobody even knows the name of your label. That's this dude. That's this guy. Uh, he, 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 no, he's so rich, he's living in luxury. Now, think about it. This was a poor time in the world. This is a time where lepers were, were living outside the city limits. This is a time of, of no education, really, and uh, difficulty to eat. Um, I, I talk about people in America uh, because I've traveled around the world, and people in America that think they're poor, you would not be considered poor in most parts of the world. I, I actually, it, it surprised me, so it ought to surprise you. Uh, I, I saw that to be in the top 1% of wealth, you know if you're in the top 1%, you're way rich, huh? Way rich. To be in the top 1% in the world, in wealth, you have to make $31,200 a year. That means if you make $15 an hour, you know, you're a one percenter. Um, so people in America, they, they don't understand poor. Because, listen, if you got a cell phone, a pack of cigarettes, and your own lighter, you're not poor. 
If I ain't rich, I, well, depend on who you class it next to. But the majority of people in this, in this culture here were very poor. This guy was extremely rich. My son, who is a United States Marine Embassy Guard in Lagos, Nigeria, at the U.S. consulate there, um, he had seen it for the first time. He said, Dad, you always said there's, there's a real truth about being on the other side of the tracks. He said, here it's a canal. Um, he said, we got Victoria Island, which is a paparazzi place. It's lifestyles of the rich and famous. It is the economic epicenter of Africa. And it is, he said, picture Miami times a thousand on steroids. He said, that, that's Victoria. He said, right across the canal, as soon as you drive over the bridge, picture the worst level of poverty you've ever seen where everybody's just walking out up to me with their hand out saying, love, sir, love, sir, and it's all beggars. No one has a job. I said, well, son, that's the way the majority of the world is. There's extremely wealthy and there's very, very poor. Uh, and, and I told him, that's what makes America so different. America's got a bunch of people not in that begging for food and not in that billionaire status. We've got a larger middle class than most countries. This country uh, had it the way Nigeria has it. Uh, they had a couple really super rich people, and most of everybody else was begging for food. And so we got this guy, this certain rich man, uh, and, and he's wearing the best, and he's living every day in luxury. Verse 20 says, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, comma. <coughs> I've told you for years. Pay attention to the punctuation when you read. If there's a comma there, that's cause for pause. If there's a question mark, that make, should make you stop and think. If there's an exclamation point, you should figure out why it's so urgent. But pay attention to the punctuation. Pause on this comma. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Now, this is the, one of the things that hinges on most uh, real theologians' mind when it comes to is this a parable or a historical account because nobody else ever had a name in a parable. There was a certain king, there was a certain farmer, there was a certain landowner. There, there, there was, there, ne, nobody ever had a name, um, and, and that, that's significant. This was a person. This really happened. Uh, some stories in the Bible are figurative, some are literal. I believe this is literal, and this man's name was Lazarus. He's not wearing fine linen, he's not wearing purple, and he's not living in luxury. He was laid at his gate. Whose gate? The rich man. Follow the story. Lazarus was a beggar, had no job, had no skill set, could not earn money, and he was late. So, some, let's pretend like we're in Wednesday night Bible study. Wednesday night's open discussion, interactive format. Somebody, some Bible genius tell us, why was he laid at the gate? Couldn't walk. Handicapped. We don't know how desperately. We know he couldn't walk. He had to have somebody carry him to some place where he could beg. Not only was he a beggar, unemployed, couldn't walk, laid at somebody else's gate, he was full of swords. Okay, so this guy's in bad shape, right? Let's look at verse 21. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Pause on that and think about it. Now, let's just, let's, let's, let's just talk like we're on Wednesday night. Why was he desiring? Was he being fed or was he desiring to be fed? 
Well, why was he desiring to be fed? Because he was hungry and hangry and starving. But because the words in the Bible are specific, and it says he was desiring to be fed, was, was he always being fed well in this place? No, that's why he was desiring it. it does, so, so, some people have, I told you all about that one preacher I went to lunch with. Uh, he pulled out his briefcase because he felt like carrying a briefcase with a buddy to, to uh, a lunch in the afternoon on the west side of Jacksonville. Made him look impotent. Um, <laughs> and he, we were talking and he pulled out his legal pad and he showed me a sketch drawing and he said, God has promised me this and I will have it. And, 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 and the word of God, the vision is for an appointed time, and it shall come to a 26,000-square-foot house. He had a wife and one child, and he believed God. He had it all laid out, six-car garage, pool in the back. Uh, I, I'm like, do you open up your home to strangers? He said, no, my, I got too much nice stuff in my home. And, and, and literally, he, he said, this belt cost me over $700. I'm like, okay. Um, and I had to tell him, and we didn't go to lunch anymore after that either. I said, the Lord hadn't promised you no 26,000. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. He, he showed it to me in a vision, and I told him what I had to tell some of y'all. Quit eating pizza late at night. Stay off that hot sauce past 9 p.m. And if you're going to eat pizza and hot sauce at midnight, don't be shocked if you have a dream with a three-headed monster that calls you mommy. And you're a dude. I mean... This guy is, is, he's so in such bad shape. His desire, see, his desire wasn't a 26,000 square foot house with a pool and a six car garage. Well, I got big dreams. Do any of your big dreams involve holiness? The Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Do any of your big dreams involve suffering? Because the Bible says all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Do any of your big dreams involve giving more to others than you keep for yourself? Mm. It's quiet, don't it? His, his desire was just to eat. Complicating it more, he got health problems. He got dogs coming and licking his sores. Look at verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died. Now, what's the beggar's name? Lazarus. So Lazarus died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So we're talking about these, these, these two different people that had a very different life in this present world. And they had a very different death. And a very different eternity. Now, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. The scripture teaches emphatically throughout that when you close your eyes in this life, you open your eyes in the next life. In one of two places. And it's too late then to make your choice. Because that choice is sealed. And, and it came, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, which was a popular term used interchangeably with, with another term used in the Bible for paradise. Okay? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is, this is our modern concept of heaven. And the rich man also died and was buried. 
And that's the nicest thing they say about his death in this whole story. One of them died. The angels come, take him to where God is. I hope that's what you're looking forward to in your life. See, I believe it still goes down like this. They put it in movies. You know, somebody dies and, you know, they're just, they're just carried up to the bright light. Other person dies and they got dragging them down. Same, same. The Bible says we have these stories for our example. This is real life. And the rich man also died and was buried. Now, the beggar wasn't buried. The significance here in this verse to understand, the beggar was not buried. It's not that his body didn't need to be buried. They didn't bury poor people back then. Um, they, they had a place outside the city where they burned garbage and they carried poor people out there. See, now the city pays for burials for folk. Um, that, not back then. They just carried them out there, tossed them off the hill down, in, down into this valley of burning trash, um, which uh, is, is referred to as hell in places of the Bible. And that, that's a wrap. Uh, so this is, if you ever wonder, is cremation in the Bible? Right here. Right here. Um, the beggar, Lazarus, was cremated and ended up in heaven. I heard somebody say, Pastor, I'd like to be cremated because it saved my family so much money, and I'm going to be in heaven anyway. Uh, but my, my auntie told me that you can't get to heaven if you're cremated. What if you're blown up in war? Can you get to heaven then? Anyway, Lazarus was, was uh, burnt. His body was burnt um, in a trash dump because he didn't get buried. Um, and that ought to let you know this life ain't really all that important. Oh, no, when I die, I, I want a big, giant headstone. Uh, I want three sitting benches so people can come and sit whichever way the sun is shining. Uh, listen, I, you want to go there that, that, and sit? That's fine. Do, do what your tradition is. But I'm going to tell you this. Uh, you ought to at least have the knowledge to understand. Uh, don't cry for me when I'm gone. And, and don't stop by my, 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 my tomb and spend too much time there because I'm in heaven. You want to come by and laugh, uh, whatever you want to do, but just understand, if you've ever lost somebody in this life and they were saved, uh, they are not in a ground, they are not in a box, they are not decaying, they are in the presence of the Lord. You burn that body, throw it off a bridge, do whatever you want to do to Lazarus' uh, body because he's already been carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, the rich man... Not so much. Uh, moral of the story, I want you to know this. Everyone dies. Everyone. Oh, don't talk about dying, preacher. Uh, they have found in, in the past six months cancer in three different parts of my body. They scooped out basal cell carcinoma from the top of my head, left a divot in the top of my head. Uh, pe people, people get grossed out by too much detail. I won't give you a lot of detail, but it, it, just, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I, I keep feeling this little hole right here, and I'm like, man, how big is that? And it hit me. If you ever been to Putt-Putt and you put your ball down on the mat and they got that little hole that keeps the ball, that's exactly that, about that same size. Big enough for me to get a tip of my finger in. So the moral of the story is, if you know, when all my hair finishes falling out, I might just preach with a golf ball on my head that won't roll off. Just to keep people awake and paying attention. So then they, 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 I've got this ping-pong-sized tumor in the back, back of my head uh, between my parotid gland and my brain. Um, they, they did a biopsy of that and found out that it was benign, but it's growing 
and they, they want to crack my head open and take that out. Uh, I've still got later this month to have a biopsy of the tumor that's on my thyroid gland. And so I, 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 a lot been going on in the last few months. But anytime I bring it up, I'm like, well, you know, I might not be long for Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. You get these two words if you don't get anything else out of today's message. Everyone dies. It's not a tragedy for everyone. And I'm not telling you what I heard. Um, I held my 36-year-old wife uh, through her last breath for hours leading up to her last breath, not knowing which one it would be, but weeping so hard because one of those was going to be the last. I, I watched her die and leave me with a two-year-old and a four-year-old. I, I know how tragic losing someone is. And I'm not, I'm not belittling it, but I want you to know, uh, if the Lord don't come back, you're going to go the way of the grave. Ecclesiastes says the grave is the end of everyone. And you ought to think about it while there's still time. Listen, you better make your preparation now. I, I like what one preacher said. He said, I, I, I'm prayed up, my sins are paid up, and I'm ready to go up. And I hope that you're in that boat today. Because if you don't, if you don't make advanced reservations, uh, you're not going to get in. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. Yeah, everybody's got an appointment. I don't know when yours is. I don't know when mine is. But I do know this. You better be ready for it. You better be ready for it. Because it comes for everybody. Unless the Lord comes and takes us by way of the rapture, it's coming for everybody. And it came for the rich man and it came for the beggar. In Luke 16, 23, 22 says... Uh, the rich man died and was buried. Verse 23 says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Closed his eyes as a rich man. In this life, opened his eyes in the next life in hell. And when you close your eyes in this life, you're going to wake up immediately. Open your eyes in the next life. And you're going to be rejoicing or it's going to be too late to say, oh, snap. Because the snap is already done. In hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. I've told you many times, I'll tell you again. All of the words in the Bible are specific. And they have meaning. And you need to pay attention to them. It doesn't say he was in torment. It says he was in torments. Some versions... Drop that S, but if you look in the original Greek, torment is plural, so we, we're, we're looking at it right today. He was in torments. Now, somebody that's a Bible genius, tell everybody else, why is this word plural? More than one. There's all kinds of torment in hell. Now, I, I've been to jail several times in my life before, before Christ. I thank God that since I've been saved, I haven't been to jail. That's real deliverance. Hallelujah. That's a life change. Um, that's God's ability uh, to change. Uh, 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 a wicked person into a lover of God, but I never agreed with jail systems um, real punishment. You know where they really put you? If you do something really bad in jail, anybody know where they put you? I'm like, bet that up. They put me in a 16-man cell with killers. I'm not really sure I belong here. Why don't I just punch one of these correctional officers in the face, take whatever little beat down they're going to give me, 
so I can ride my time out alone. Sleep with both eyes closed. Roll over toward the, 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 the wall or the, the door. You know? You had that gin pop. You got your back against the wall. You're sleeping like this. But they do it for a reason. Because they know the human condition does not do well alone, confined, all alone. Now, me personally, I've made this. Y'all heard me say it for decades. Um, I, I, I could easily be a monk. Give me a book and, and a good chair, I'm, I'm set. I, I, I prefer to be alone with my studies in the Lord. Um, it, it takes effort on me. Uh, I am, I am a, a conflation of an introvert and an extrovert. I'm completely comfortable uh, alone forever. Uh, but but I, I, I also can, you know, tell a funny story in front of a bunch of people when, when the time calls for it. But confinement, being by yourself, sociologists have determined the human mind snaps under that pressure. It's tormenting. Eventually, you're going to want to see somebody. But not only is, is, is hell uh, the torments because... Uh, there's isolation. The Bible says it's outer darkness. People say, well, I don't mind going to hell. I'm going to be there with all my buddies. No, you're not. You're going to be alone in outer darkness. Can't see. There's another torture. How many, how many of y'all, don't raise your hand. I don't want to have to, uh, I might tell them when I see them. But, but some of y'all know y'all's kids still love to sleep with a nightlight. Want to leave that light on in the bathroom down the hallway. Yeah, Elder got his hand up. He ain't scared. Darkness is scary. I've told y'all, I'm a 215-pound, highly trained, proficient uh, man with, with some pent-up stuff in me. You, I really ain't the one you want to grab. I'm just saying. Uh, you get more than you bargain for at, at, at that level. Uh, never been scared of anything in my life. But when my kids are spending the night in other places, and I'm home by myself, and that house starts making noise... And it's really, really, really dark. Oh, I get the heebie-jeebies. My skin starts, ugh. I start talking about Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is against you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. He is risen. I just start, I just start chanting stuff. Laugh at me if you want to. Be 4.30 in the morning and that house keeps talking. I'm like, what? what? It don't do that when everybody's home. I ain't never been sitting in my recliner in a house full of people. What's that? Okay, I'm, I'm going to get up with my Bible. Outer dark, pitch black dark, solitary confinement, and on fire. Now I've had people ask me, uh, a lot in my life. I don't know why this question comes up for preachers, but people say, what do you think would be a worse way to die? Fire or drowning? You think drowning would be the worst way to die? Oh, you'd rather drown? Listen, my answer is the same for everybody. You're a smart girl. My answer is the same every time that comes up. If there was anything worse than fire, God, if drowning was worse than fire, God would have made hell drowning. Continuously, because hell is burning 
continuously. The Bible says that your body won't be consumed. It'll just keep burning. Uh, that, that's, that, there's some torments in hell. I want you to understand that. The Bible says he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. See, the fire of hell is not figurative. It's literal. These are people on fire forever, and it's a torment. The Bible says there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, check out this low-thinking human being here, this rich dude who watched him carry a paralyzed man at, uh, to the front of his house every day, watched him lay under the table and try to fight the dogs off of him to get a scrap of food off the ground from this man's table, which you know means the man never set a plate for him. Come to my house, I set a plate for you. You don't have to try to beg for scraps out off the floor. Now all of a sudden, this dude like rolls a reverse. He's like, hey, I want, I want that... Uh, he, I, I don't even know if he really knew the dude's name. He said, hey, send that, send that, send that dude. Over, let, let him come and comfort me. Did he ever comfort Lazarus? You see how people are? This is indicative of wickedness. See, some people think that the rich man went to hell for being rich. Listen, Abraham, who's in this story, was the richest person on the planet in his day. Lot was the richest person on the planet in his day. King... King David was the richest person on the planet in his day, and his son Solomon was the richest person who ever lived, and there will never be anybody richer. Don't think rich people go to hell. Don't think this man went to hell for being rich and Lazarus went to heaven for being poor. Jesus said you must be born again. You, 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 that, that's the only thing. But, well, Pastor, I'm trying to get to heaven. There ain't no trying to it. I mean, if you're already pregnant, you ain't trying to get pregnant. You either is or you isn't. There ain't no in between. You is or you ain't. He didn't go, he didn't go to hell because he was rich. He had an evil heart. Never helped this man out a day in his life. Never set a plate for him. Never, never set a, a chalice of water out for him. But now all of a sudden, he, he thinks God going to send a man who he mistreated to come be his rescuer. Now, you got to be really hurt. I mean, this is drastic. If I'm on fire, I'm not screaming at Elder Jimmy, hey, go dip your finger, tip your fingers in water and come help. Man, get a bucket. Get a fire hose. Man, if, if I just ate some spice, Seth loves sriracha. We got a bottle of sriracha on our table this big. Uh, Seth puts sriracha on anything. I'm surprised I ain't seen it on a cereal yet because we don't keep much in the house outside of cereal and some lunch meat. But that sriracha's going on stuff. Uh, I tried that last night. A little spicy. Had to put something on my tongue. If my whole body's in fire, see, I'm just a little smarter than this rich dude. I'm going to be honest with you. It ain't about no dip the tip of your finger in some water and put it on my tongue. No, you better tell the whole world, come bucket brigade me up out of here. But this is, this is the drastic place he's in. And he's in torment because of this flame. Verse 25, follow it. This is where the movie gets good. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted and you are tormented. 
Anytime I read a verse like that in the Bible, it makes me think about uh, the great preacher R.G. Lee and his most famous sermon, Payday Someday. And he said, stop, stop feeling bad because your unsaved relatives, friends, and co-workers got it better than you in this life. Stop feeling bad because your shady brother rips everybody off and is rich and you're dirt broke and can't pay attention. And the moral of his story is one day the Bible says every crooked path will be made straight and everything done in the dark place will be brought to open. The Bible says there's going to be a payday someday. And this is what's happening right now uh, in this story for the rich man and for Lazarus. One of them had it good and went bad. One of them had it bad and it went good. Verse 26. So remember, the rich man said, send him over here to comfort me. Verse 26, Abraham says, besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Now, one of the words in the Bible for hell is sheol. It's a Greek word, sheol, and it means the abode of the souls of the dead. See, when you die, your body goes in the ground or wherever it goes, but your soul uh, at this state, time, and eternity went to this place called sheol or the abode of the souls of the righteous dead. So literally, it could be said then that everybody went to hell because hell in that context is not what we call hell. It was just where dead people's souls went. And there was a great gulf fixed between them. It's like there's people on this side of the room, there's people on this side of the room, and there's this gulf in between y'all. Now, it's not a great gulf. You could pass back and forth. But in this place, in the abode of the souls of the dead, there was the righteous dead and the unrighteous dead. They, they were the ones waiting to be cast into the lake of fire at the final judgment. And there were the ones who were waiting on Messiah to come and come take him to heaven. I'm out of time already, but, but let, me, let me remind you. The Bible says that when Jesus died, he is the one who descended into the lower part, the belly of the earth, and the one who descended is also the one who ascended, bringing captivity, ca uh, uh, bringing captivity free with him. So real quick, not a lot of context, but study it for yourself. Jesus went to hell, not burning fire hell. He went to the abode of the souls of the dead. Half of it was on fire, the other half wasn't. Half of it was torment, the other half was paradise and there was no going back and forth between them but the bible says jesus went and preached to those in hell for three days and he led them free now he didn't lead anybody free from the fireside when he preached he did what all preachers should do what, what what's the word gospel mean good news Good news. He went and declared to them because the, 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 the people who were in Abraham's bosom, the people who were in paradise, they were there waiting. They were there waiting. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross who cried out and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, this day you will be with me in what? Paradise is Abraham's bosom. Paradise in the center of the earth. Paradise is, uh, on, on, thank God for the gulf between uh, the, the righteous side and the unrighteous side. Jesus went down there. He got, listen, do you know prior to Jesus' death on the cross, there was only two people in heaven? Who were they? Close. That's half. Enoch and Elijah. Only two people in heaven. Everybody else is in paradise. You see, y'all looking at me like you're stunned. Study it out for yourself. You'll be glad to know it. 
Jesus went and got all those people to prove that all the prophecies were true. He would lead those captives into freedom. And they had been waiting on him forever to come and get them. And he went down there and he got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He went down there and he got Lot. He went down there and he got Moses. He went down there and he got everybody who believed in Jehovah Savior, the Messiah, would come and get those. And he went and they emptied out that side. And then the Bible says hell has enlarged itself. Gulf's gone. More people coming. And people, nobody's going to paradise. Nobody's going to Abraham's bosom anymore. Jesus cleared that spot out. People are going to heaven now. Uh, but at this time, great gulf fixed between. Look at verse 27. Let's get through this and be done. Then he said, I beg you. Who's begging now? That's the rich man. He said, I beg you. Oh, where's your purple clothes at, bruh? Not flexing anymore? I'm, and now he's the beggar. I beg you, Father. Oh, Abraham, you, you weren't giving respect to Abraham and his God when you were living in luxury every day. But now you're in the, now you're in the jam. I beg you that you would send him, send Lazarus to my father's house. Why? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 28 says, For I have five brothers. He can testify to them lest they come to this place of torment. Too late. Well, I thought God was merciful. He is. But the Bible says the Spirit of God will not always strive with men. There's a time where God winks. And there's a time where God punishes. This is the punishment time here. Well, I, why would a God, why would a loving, good, gracious God send anybody to hell? God made a provision for you not to have to go there. You got to say yes to Jesus or no. And this guy now, he's worried about his brothers. He knows I'm doomed. My brother's just as stank as I am. They ain't no covenant keepers. They ain't no church-going Bible quoters. He said, man, Send Lazarus there. Let him testify to my brothers so they don't have to come to this place. This man understands more about soul winning than the average person sitting in a church every Sunday of the year. You better go tell somebody because there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And this is what is on his mind now. Verse 29, Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. This passage of Scripture did as much to form the style of church we have as anything has. Because while every other church and every large church in America is catering to people in what they call a seeker-sensitive church, give the people what they want so they will keep coming back. Oh, what we need, we, we, need, uh, we, we, we need a singles ministry. Why don't we just let singles people come up here and start meeting each other and fornicating together and have a program on Friday night where all the single people can come. Get, no, we ain't going to do that. Well, but, but we'd, we'd, and I heard one pastor say, you know, if you just used the right bait, you'd catch more fish. Well, I like what another pastor said. Be careful how you catch them because that's what you're going to have to use to keep them. And I ain't using worldly means to draw people into a church. You know why? Well, we'd have more people coming to our church if we'd set up, uh, you know, the Easter Bunny in the lobby and give away pictures of people. Mm. No. But, but don't you want them to be saved? I really do. I desperately do. But you know what they got? They got, they got the Word of God. 
They, if, if they, you, you want them to come for the fishes and the loaves. You want them to come for the Easter bunny. You want them to come for the singles program. You want us to have some rock concert with laser lights and a fog machine turn the church God into a house that looks like a bar room at night. But we could reach some more people. They got, they got Moses. They got the prophets. And you, you're thinking the same thing the rich man was thinking. Verse 30, the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes... To them from the dead, they will repent. Oh, you want a special plan from God. Sending Jesus wasn't enough. You, you, you want God to, to do something uh, miraculous for your children so, so they'll get saved. The Word of God ain't enough. Jesus ain't enough. The gospel ain't enough. You need extra. That's what he's saying. Oh, no, they won't come the regular way. But if you send somebody from the, oh, yeah, they'll hear that. No, they won't. Listen to verse 31. But he said to him, and this is Abraham talking to the rich man, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Some of you here waiting on God to send you some miraculous sign so you'll finally get your heart right with God and be saved for real. Some of, some of you here want, want God to, to send somebody to, come on, Victor, want somebody to send uh, somebody to go see your people. Why don't you tell them what Moses said? Why don't you tell them what the Word of God says? The Bible says of itself that the Bible is the power of God unto salvation to him who would believe. The power is in the Word of God. And you got you to stop waiting on God to, to miraculously wake up somebody you care about for salvation. Come rescue America into revival. And you got to start opening your mouth and declaring the word of God to them because here's the reality. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said it then and he still means it now. If they won't come because of what God has revealed to them in his word, then there is no hope for them. And that's why we need to preach the gospel to every creature. That's why we need to share the word of God with people. That's why you need to tell people about your testimony every where you go. It's not about who's rich, who's poor. It's not about who's kind. To Listen, I've met lots of philanthropic people. I've met lots of people who love to work in charity and, and be candy stripers and work with mentally disadvantaged children in hospitals and work with, and, and they always use the same, the, the, the same words to make themselves sound holier than everybody else. Well, I just focus on the least of these because that's what the Lord said. But their heart's just as wicked and evil, and they don't know God. No. Listen, just because you're kind to, to, to handicapped children and old people, just because you're kind to, to, to uh, people who are down and out, we've got this mentality in the world, uh, in America, uh, that there are victims and there are oppressors, and all the victims get rescued by God, and all the oppressors get punished. All rich people don't go to heaven, all poor people don't go to hell. All nice people don't go to heaven and all mean people don't go to hell. That's not the determining factor. And if you've never learned anything, get this deeply in your mind. In John 3, 7, Jesus said, you must be born again. And if you don't know what being born again is, it hasn't happened to you. Because if you ever get what the Bible calls a real salvation... A, a, a fresh encounter, if you ever really get a new birth, if you ever really become born again, it's not going to take long for you to realize, I used to be this way, but now I'm that way. I was heading over here, but I'm over here now. And if that hasn't happened to you, 
All your goodness not going to get you to heaven. All your suffering not going to get you to heaven. All your victimization not going to get you to heaven. All your oppression is not going to get you to heaven. And, 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 and if you've had a, all the other stuff, listen, all your money ain't going to get you to heaven. All your education ain't going to get you to heaven. All your good deeds aren't going to get to heaven. The Bible says that, that by keeping of the law shall no flesh be justified. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. What do you got to do, preacher? You got to be born again. You got to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here's the hardest thing for me as, as a senior pastor of a local church, watching good people sit in church week after week and me knowing in my spirit, they're not saved yet. Watching people serve in ministry and knowing they're not born again. Good people. Do anything I ask them to do. Help anybody that needed help. But they just haven't done this thing. And this is what decides. Nothing else. Not how good you are. Not how much money you give to church. Not how often you read your Bible. This thing. Have you truly been born again? Do you know that you know for sure that there was a time where you were lost, but you had a real encounter with Jesus Christ, and he changed you from the bottom up, from the inside out? See, most people that come to church, they change from the outside, and they think it'll make them better on the inside. They quit doing a little of these things. They start doing some of these things. They start cleaning up on the outside and think that's going to get them to heaven. It won't. Jesus wants to clean you on the inside, and it'll show up on the outside. Last verse I'm going to read you and we're going to go. <coughs> Matthew 10, 32. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever will confess me before men, him will also confess before my Father who's in heaven. The Scripture says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Everybody believes in Jesus, but everybody doesn't believe that God raised him from the dead. Everybody believes in Jesus. He's the most historically written about person in the history of the world. Our calendar is set up on him. But everybody that believes this is the year 2022 doesn't believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and was raised from the dead. So that's what saved folk believe. And when you call on that God to save you, he will. And he said, that's why you need to confess me before men. There is power in a public confession of your faith. He said, if you stand up and confess me in front of people, I'll stand up on judgment day and confess you in front of God. And some of you have done that three, four, five times, been baptized multiple times, prayed to receive Christ multiple times, but you know in your heart, if you were to die right now, you're not sure what would happen to you. That's the grace of God trying to tell you, you need more than what you got. And if you're here today and you're not perfectly sure that you've been saved, Don't think I'll get around to it. Tomorrow's not promised to you. Tomorrow's not promised to you. Humans look to solve big problems with with ridiculous answers. Well, we need to get all the guns off the street. We need need a gun buyback program and make all the good law-keeping folk turn their guns in. Listen, Ray Ray Pookie and them ain't turning their guns in. That just ain't even a winning proposition. But if they did, you know what they've outlawed in London, England now? Knives. Can't carry a knife. You can't have a steak knife outside your home. You can't can't walk into your backyard with a steak knife. 
people started, they took the guns. They started killing people. Ain't no guns in Belgium. See what happened yesterday in Belgium? They were having a festival. Some man ran his car at 80 miles an hour into a crowd full of people, killed six of them, sent 20 of them to the hospital. Stop thinking you're going to have the answer to stuff when eternity is in God's hands. And eternity is what really matters. Well, I want to do this, that, and the other thing before I really give it all to God. You think those six people yesterday in Belgium at a parade thought they were stepping out into eternity? You think the people that died on I-95 this week thought they were stepping out into eternity? Nobody did. And you don't know when your last day will be, but you got an appointment with death because everybody dies. And you better make sure that you know that you know. It doesn't matter how much you've done in church. It doesn't matter how much people think about your Christianity. Well, what, what, I just don't know what people think of me. Uh, if there's an elder, a deacon, the most servant-hearted person in the room, I'd love to see everybody who needs to get saved get saved. It doesn't matter what people think about you. It matters what God knows about you. And God said, there are going to be a lot of people going to hell that are confused. And they're going to say, but I prophesied in your name. That's preachers. In your name, I cast out devils. That's miracle workers. In your name, I did many mighty works. That, 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 that's people bragging about how much they've done for God. But Jesus said, but you never really knew me. Do you know for sure that if you died today, if you close your eyes this day, that you'd open them up in heaven? Because eternity matters more than anything. Well, I just want to see the game, see who wins. I just want to live long enough to see my grandchildren get married. While you're doing all that stuff, you better make sure that you've got a home in glory and that you know for sure that you have done what God has called you to do. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I pray now for every person in this room that is not truly born again. Lord, even some that think they are. I pray right now. You've told us that no one can come if you, unless you draw them. Father, I pray that you draw every lost person in this room, every person who... Has, is not truly born again, I pray you pour your love, your mercy, and grace out on them today. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you real quick. If you're here and you say, Pastor Scott, I don't even really know. I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm really born again. If you'd say, uh, pray for me, Pastor, uh, that I'd make, make my life right before, I, before my time comes up. If you've at least got enough common sense to say, I, I don't want to die and go to hell, but I'm not really sure that I'm a born-again Christian. If that's you, while nobody's looking but me, I just want you to slip your hand up. I want to, I'm not going to call you up here. All right. Anybody else? All right. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Many hands all around the room. You can put those hands down. Let me tell you this. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to shake a hand. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, fill out a card. You don't have to do anything other than call on the name of the Lord. If you believe that Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose again, the Bible says if you'll call on his name, you'll be saved. The problem is so many people have done that and think they're saved, and it didn't work for them because God said through Jeremiah that you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. I've been baptized multiple times. I walked the aisle multiple times. It never worked for me. Why? Wasn't my time. I wasn't fully desperate. I wasn't all the way ready. But, it, but, it, but, it, but if you really want to get saved today, you don't, you don't have to. I'm going to pray for everybody to raise their hand. But you don't have to leave this place worrying about where you're going to spend eternity. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I'm going to pray it out loud. I want you to pray it in, in your heart. The Bible says God can hear the thoughts in your head. 
And if you really want to go from being lost right now to being saved, I want you, uh, I, I pray out loud, you pray silently. If you're like, I, I'm not sure, but I really want to be saved, and I want God to save me now, and you know that you're ready for sure. Don't play with God, but if you know you're ready for sure, as I pray this out loud, you say these words silently. These words aren't magic. There's no magic dust on these words, but if you mean them with your heart, God will hear you, and he will save you. Just pray this silently in your heart. Say, dear God, I do believe in you, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. Let me be born again. Make me a real Christian. If you prayed that or something like that as I was praying, uh, with nobody looking around but me, I just, I just want you to lift your hand up and say, Pastor, I, I prayed that. The Bible says confessing before me. Okay, okay, all right, all right, amen. God, thank you for these who have responded to you today. I pray you fill them with the Holy Ghost and power. Give them strength for their journey and grace for their race. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.